Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Ross Nation, and welcome back. I'm your host here, Dan. And as you can see in front of me, I'm joined by the fabulous Pat Fitzmaurice. How are you, Pat? Are you well? I'm doing well, Dan. Great to talk to you, and uh, you know, sorry that uh, Murph can't be here with us, but I know he's, uh, you know, bitten by some sort of gigantic bug, and uh, you know, needs to recover. So, uh, yeah, we don't have any gigantic bugs over here that are renowned for for biting people. It's normally quite a safe place to be, but the whatever reaction it's is he's had off it is is pretty bad. His uh, his legs are fair size, so yeah, I'm man. Sure I mean. <laughs> it's you guys are in England, not in Australia or uh, you know New Zealand, yeah. where they get some of these ridiculously giant spiders and and other beasties. So um, yeah, tough bizarre break. one. It, it happens, I guess. Allergies and stuff to all sorts of things. So, uh, but Pat, for the people who don't know, you're the managing editor for Fantasy Pros. Uh, Murph Correct. described you last week as kind of his boss, I guess. Uh, yeah, right? I suppose. Yeah, I don't know if I see it quite that way. Uh, friends first, uh, you know, boss underling second. But yeah, I, I, you know, give him assignments and things of that nature. So technically, good luck trying to tame him. I have to do it for an hour a week, and that is hard <laughs> enough trying to keep him in check. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that one. I don't envy that at all. But 
tell us what you're doing at Fancy Pros now. What are you guys working on? It's a busy time of year. It's, it's our Christmas, as me and my father say. Yeah, we're trying to uh, nail down our in-season schedule right now, doing the final preparations for that, because that's going to be upon us in no time. And meanwhile, just uh, dashing out a lot of fantasy content for people as we enter draft season. So we want to make sure we have plenty of offerings for them. And I think we do uh, at Fantasy Pros. We've got our draft kit on the site already. Mm-hmm. Nearly all of it is free. Some of it's premium, and I think you'd find the premium stuff worthwhile. But uh, we're going to be continuing to roll out new stuff throughout August, too. So. It's exciting. You say draft season's upon us. Scott Fishbowl kicked off last week, and that's kind of the the opening of the floodgates, if you will, for redraft season to, to come away. So um, you're part of that yourself, sir? I am. I am uh, in the Edinburgh division. So uh, I'm, ah, I'm nice. drafting with a lot of uh, blokes from the UK. And, there uh, is, and how have you found it? it? I've found it, like, I thought it might be a slow draft since we have people operating in such different, you know, we've got people on the West Coast of the U.S. and in the U.K., so, you know, what, nine hours difference between some of the people. But it's actually gone pretty smoothly, going at a reasonable pace. I think we'll probably be done, like, uh, Wednesday at the latest. Okay. So, yeah, 15, 16-ish now, moving on. Yeah. How's it gone for you so far? I'm okay. We're mid-15th. So, yeah, again, it's been great. I'm in a... I'm an imaginary one for me. Scott Fish is all about meeting other people. So I didn't want to tie myself to, to London and places here. So I went for an imaginary place. Um, and it's been fantastic. I met some great people. We're having good fun. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So it's, Very nice. it's been really enjoyable. So um, just quickly as well, we met another one of your writers the weekend. So you may not know, but we hosted um, what we call the UK FFC, Fantasy Football Collective, on Saturday. It's our kind of expo, if you will. We saw what you guys have been doing um, in Canton there. We all got very jealous during COVID. We couldn't attend. So a few of us decided to put on a show. First one was on Saturday. Um, we had a lot of people, some of the people you're drafting with in Edinburgh, I know was in attendance. So, and we'll probably be listening. So don't give away too much tonight <laughs> cause um, on your late round running backs because they'll have ears on it, I'm sure. But um, <clears throat> yeah, we think we had three fantasy prose writers there in total. Murph was on one of our panels of speakers. Uh, Tom Strachan was part of the panel that I hosted. Uh, and we had Andrew Seifert, all the way from the USA, who happened to be holidaying here at the same time, popped along to the show as well, spent the day with us as well. So, fantastic guy, great insight into to everything we do. So, <laughs> yeah, one, wonderful that Andrew happened to be. I knew he was going over there for a couple of weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it was even close to a month, but it's fantastic. Yeah, that, sometimes, so yeah. yeah, so it coincided with the event. That's fantastic because he really is a nice guy and, uh, you know, fabulous writer, knows his stuff. Yeah, uh, we spent some time talking. It's hard when you're running and organizing an event such as that to, to get time as much as you'd like to meet people. But yeah, made the effort to say hi and, and listen to him. And uh, it, was, it was amazing that he could be there. And we're. We're hoping a few others might make the trip over next year as well. Uh, we spoke to Bob Long, who's a, a fan, you know, a guest we have on the show quite often, and he's hoping to to pop over for next year's event as well. So it would be awesome. The more the merrier. So we're here to talk about running backs, I guess. Redraft ADP on running backs. So what have you got? Jonathan Taylor's going 101, generally, pretty much in every draft everywhere right now. You yeah, okay I mean, I am, and... Um... Like it's over here, there are definitely pockets of Christian McCaffrey advocates. Okay. And I think the, uh, I think the angle on that is that McCaffrey when healthy, maybe has an upside that Taylor doesn't. 
you know, when he's basically scored over, averaged over 20, 22 PPR points per game um, when healthy. And, and that's just, you know, crazy upside. Like rarely are you disappointed by a Christian McCaffrey game when he plays the whole game. Gets plenty of touches in line to, to get that same sort of workload again. But, I mean, the counter is that Taylor has been pretty much indestructible in three years of college and a couple of years in the NFL so far um, and has just produced at a high level pretty consistently. You know, once he, uh, his rookie year, you know, it, it took him a few weeks to get his role sorted out. But once they realized what they had on their hands and started treating him uh, in a manner befitting a workhorse yep. of his caliber, uh, it's been pretty fantastic. So I, I think Taylor is probably the safer play. Uh, you know, McCaffrey's just missed so much time the last two years. I can understand the arguments there, and McCaffrey is my number two, but I, I do think it's Taylor. So you're McCaffrey. a Taylor guy. I am okay. a Taylor guy. That's interesting because I am a McCaffrey guy. Are you? Yeah, I, I totally I to understand win. the I argument. To win. I'll take the risk. I may lose him, but I'll tell you what, if you get – 14 games out of him. If he plays 14 in the 16, 17 in the season, you're probably over the fantasy season going to be level with Taylor. I don't think you're any worse off in terms of points scored. So um, I would shoot for it. I think Kevin McCaffrey's ceiling is far higher than Taylor um, if he can stay healthy. And it's a big if after the last two years, obviously. But um, yes, where I am. Um, it's an interesting one. So the next bit, we kind of fall into a funny bracket, don't we? The guys have... Eckler, Henry, Najee Harris has popped his way in. Dalvin Cook's there and, and maybe Joe Mixon in that bracket as well. Depending on your draft and what the situation is, they're a free-for-all almost in terms of the order they're coming off the board. It really is. I think you're going to see all sorts of different ordering of the top backs. Um, so for me, it's it's Cook just because I know, as with McCaffrey, there's sort of this concern about his health. Mm-hmm. He has, you know, missed time pretty much every season he's played. But another case, I mean, and I, I guess this would not be a hard sell to you as a McCaffrey guy. Like, mm-hmm. we know if Cook plays, he's going to produce numbers. Like, I think he's yep. averaged over, like, what is it, around 120 total yards from scrimmage per game throughout his career and, like, uh, three-quarters of a touchdown per game. So you're going to get numbers when he plays. And uh, it, it's also fairly easy to handcuff him if you want to um, take the risk out of it by drafting Alexander Madison in the 10th round or maybe you want to prioritize that in the 8th or ninth, just to make sure that no one steals him out from under you. So um, he's there for me. Eckler, I, I just think there's a, a very safe floor with his pass catching. I don't think we're going to see the touchdown total anywhere near where it was last year. And I don't think we're going to see him get the same amount of early down work. They pretty specifically drafted Isaiah Spiller to do that because I think Eckler said himself that he uh, felt he was maybe taking on a bit too much last year. But um, very safe floor in a high-powered offense. Um, You know, Najee Harris has that, uh, like, unquestioned workload, the run-catch ability. Um, Derrick Henry right there, too. I mean, for me, Derrick Henry is kind of a fade. I've got him at running back six. Okay. I know some people like him as a running back I'd three. I'd switch Cook myself, personally. Yeah, you'd have him up at three. I think Henry I think... had the injury last year, but Henry's injury last year, I believe with his toe, it wasn't a muscle injury. It should be something he can recover from relatively easily. Um, I think Cook almost every year has missed games. So just purely on that basis, I think I'd feel sure. 
And also last year, I think Henry was something like four or 500 yards ahead of Taylor in rushing yards before he went down. Um, I think it was a long way anyway. So, um, yeah, I would just have Henry. I think he ultimately gives you that. that uh, in PPR, he doesn't offer a lot. But I think for pure usage, especially with all the new receivers in town in there, uh, they're set to run the ball heavy, I feel. Yeah, people view injury risk differently. And Henry, I think, was on pace for, for 400 touches last year. And I, I feel like it was almost irresponsible the way the Titans were using him and that it was almost inevitable there was going to be some sort of physical breakdown with that sort yeah. of usage. And they've been using him like that for a few years now. So I'm, I'm worried about the, the compounded toll that that might take on him. Like, I think there might be a bit of an elevated risk there, especially okay. if they continue to use him so much. But, I mean, if they do use him in that manner and he um, gets back to what he was doing a couple of years ago when he was withstanding that sort of workload, and certainly as at his size, if anyone's going to be able to withstand it, it's him. Mm. Um I mean, he is just like such a unique value and you almost don't care that he doesn't catch many passes because he does so much damage on the ground. But, um, you know, I, I'm a little worried about how years of that sort of workload are going to pile up with him. And he's sort of, you know, getting into what we know are the, the twilight years of a running back. Careful. And we both yeah, I know. That. <laughs> Over that. Right. I know. It, it's, right. It's sad that we start talking about guys being too old when they're like yeah. 27 or 28 at the uh, running back position. It's just comical at the time. I'd love to be 27 or 28 yeah. again. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be running the ball into 300-pound guys 400 times a year, though. <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> I guess that right there is what you're talking about. It's going to take its toll. And the Steelers took a similar approach with Harris last year, right? Harris had so much work. I mean, Murph was a a big banger in the drum late on for your waiver wise, picking up a, a Benny Snell or something like that, because they just either had to rest him, sit him or something was going to happen. And it didn't quite prevail that way. It didn't pan out, but I don't know if they can take the same approach again this year. Right. And um, it, it's also not a very good offensive line in Pittsburgh. It's one of the worst in the league. And mm -hmm. uh, rather than address it in the draft, they picked a quarterback in the first round, Kenny Pickett. And I don't think he is necessarily going to enhance the value of, um, I, like, I don't think the quarterback, whether it's, you know, Najee, or um, whether it's Najee playing with Pickett or Trubisky, I don't know that that's going to fundamentally affect Harris's value. But that bad offensive line is going to be a problem. And we didn't really see Harris have any uh, breakaway runs until I think week 16 or 17, I think was his first run of more than of 20 or more yards. So he was doing it very incrementally um, and just doing it with pure volume, which, you know, it's a good trick and it works for a certain amount of time. But, uh, you know, as you sort of reference, like that's kind of a dangerous game to play. And, um, you know, yeah. more we, we, workload. Year, once it was out of contention, you'd expect them to start easing that workload and sit him. And right. they just didn't come. They just kept, <laughs> kept using him and using him. But right. They can't do it indefinitely, I guess. So Yeah, and the greater the workload, the greater the injury chances. So that's the, the issue. Yeah. Um, we then come into a funny bit that always surprised me. There's a guy in here, ADP on your sort of uh, on fantasy pros is ten point eight. Javonta Williams. Please tell me why Javonta Williams has an ADP of ten point eight, because I don't buy it at all. I think 
the eye test he passes with flying colors. He, he looks fabulous. He is a yep. you know a, a beast. Carries tacklers for extra yardage. Yep. Powers yep. through arm tackles. Fast yep. catches passes. All of that. I do. Um, I agree with all of that. But we know that Melvin Gordon is very very good. And, and there's the problem. Has, has been brought back for another season and. I guess it, it just depends on, um, you know, how they decide to uh, adjust the, the – how they decide to calibrate the offense and are they going to once again have it be basically an exact 50-50 split with Javante and Gordon every week mm-hmm. or do they adjust the sliders a little bit and, and ratchet up uh, Javante's workload and slide down Gordon's a bit as he gets into his twilight years. There's so, no um, doubt Javante's a better back. I don't question that. The usage, as you say, last year, their seasons were almost identical in terms of the production, in terms of attempts and yardage and touchdowns and everything. It mirrored itself. They brought Gordon back. I think he's on a one-year deal. People are talking about Javante will start winning the role and he'll win more chances. Actually, if you are Denver, do you not actually get halfway, three quarters way through the year and rest Javante for next year and start abusing Gordon? Because he's going to be out the door. Yeah, you wonder about that if they're not... um depending on what their situation is as far as the playoffs go. But, um, yeah, like there's really no... And use the guy that's on the way out. No incentive to beat Javante up. I agree. So I I think if there is a shift in workload from the pure 50-50 we saw last year, it's likely to be more of a subtle one than Javante all of a sudden becoming a a workhorse. But Javante is really good. He's going to play in a division with a lot of shootouts it should be a good offense um a lot to like there for sure but i i don't think i could personally draft him in the first round of a fantasy league i mean you could draft him in the first round he could have the year he had last year great you're gonna be in the playoffs depending on the rest of the roster with that production and then as i say they could take that chance to protect their asset utilize the guys who's about the door you're then going into the playoffs with a very limited guy sat on your roster, but you yeah. can't drop him because of who he is and what he cost you. Right. So, like, I got him in the fourth round of the Scott Fishbowl, and, and okay. you know, as as you know, Dan, that's a different Here scoring I am. system. Slagging so. off the guy you drafted. Look at that. Yeah, no, but I mean, <laughs> well, I, I hear you. Like, if you can get Javante Williams, like, in this late second or early third round, and then if it's a 50-50 and he just, you know, could plays well as, as part of a 50-50... Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a costly pick. You're still, he's good enough to use every week. Um, you're not taking a major loss off him if you get him there. But if you're taking him in the first round, late in the first round, and he's playing, a you know, in a 50-50 timeshare with Melvin Gordon, you're just, um, you know, you're giving away a chance to, you kind of have to get a, a hit. You have to hit on that first round guy. He has to succeed for you, and you're sort of underachieving with your first rounder if Javante has that role again. Well, me and Murph talk about in unknown situations, take the latter of the two in a draft. In this situation, late first round, you're picking up Javante. If you can go to the what, ninth, tenth round, possibly, and pick up a Melvin Gordon, the chances of that even split and the value being there is, is incredibly different. So, um, Behind someone like Javante Williams is someone for me who is is a whole round later, 11-8, is a whole pick later. Someone like Leonard Fournette, who will be the lead guy, who will get the bulk of the work, who does get the catches in Tampa. I can't see there's any direct competition for his role. Take him instead and pick up Gordon later on, in my eyes. Here's my counter on... Um, Go on, now. 
on Fournette is that last year, um, and I mean, I, I think it was kind of the perfect storm for him last year as a mm-hmm. pass catcher with a 44-year-old quarterback who did not want to get hit and who would quickly check the ball down if there was any sort of pressure. Yep. And, uh, you know, Ronald Jones is a disaster in the, the passing game. Yeah. Can't pass block, can't catch. So nope. uh, they weren't going to use him. I don't think they felt comfortable with Keyshawn Vaughn there. Mm-hmm. And Giovanni Bernard, who can pass block and catch yeah. passes, was hurt. So it all fell to Fournette, and it just worked out so perfectly for him with this immobile quarterback who was very eager to check down the minute the pocket collapsed. Um, now Giovanni is still there, and he's healthy again. Yeah. And they drafted a guy who can pass block and catch passes with Rashad White. So I guess that's the concern about Fournette. That coupled with the, the fact that he was uh, – you know, I think 200 and close to 260 pounds in OTA and, and looking like yeah. a, a mastodon when they he showed those his pictures. Time off. He, he his did time it. Off. There were a few, uh, you know, pints and big meals, I think, for him uh, in the offseason. So I'm, I'm a bit more like I would still draft, I think, Javante over Fournette just because I'm, oh. I think it's, I see enough paths for Fournette to disappoint this year. Okay. Fair. Someone I'm big on. I've gone with him in Scott Fishbowl and other competitions and so on. I, I just think he has the opportunity. And if he can return 80% of what he did last year, which I, I think he could do, um, I'd take that value over Javon A and the unknown situation that, that we speak about. So um, another couple of guys, I guess, unknown, different reasons. Alvin Kamara, ADP of 11 and similar Aaron Jones at 11.5. So Aaron Jones, nobody quite knows what that Green Bay backfield is going to be like. AJ Dillon had a fairly similar role. They've lost Devontae Adams in the offseason. Everyone's anticipating Jones may actually get some sort of slot work here and certainly some more targets off of this. And Dillon may pick up more of the rushing role. Kamara's obviously got the, the pending, looming potential suspension on over his head. And I guess that's why his ADP is falling. This. But both yeah. could be huge value there. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually surprised Kamara's ADP hasn't fallen further, Dan, mm-hmm. because he is, you know, we don't know the outcome yet. We don't know the timetable for discipline. Yeah. But when it comes, it's likely going to be a six-game suspension. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it might even be worse if you're not getting it at the start of the season and all of a sudden you're sandbagged with this suspension at the midpoint or, or you know, the playoffs of your fantasy season. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think is that uh, – Kamara's efficiency sort of cratered in his first year without Drew Brees running the offense there. He dipped to to 3.7 yards per carry, um, fewer touchdowns, fewer receiving yards per game. Um, Like, I still think he's a pretty dynamic back. Some of that, I think, was Taysom Hill, though. For sure, for sure. If you look back at the early part of the season when he had Winston before Winston's injury, he actually turned okay numbers. Right, and we know that Taysom Hill, from the year before we saw when he filled in for Breeze, that we saw uh, Kamara's target counts shrivel in those weeks. So um, I think some of that will normalize a little bit. I don't know if we'll be able to dependably pencil him in for 81 receptions like he had with uh, Drew Breeze for three straight years, but maybe a little bit closer to that. I think it's the suspension that is maybe the most uh, troubling potential obstacle to value with him. Um, so the Packers, 
Yeah, I mean, it was interesting that in the last eight regular season games, Mm -hmm. Dylan and Jones played together last year. Dylan averaged, I think it was 13.7 carries a game, and Jones only 10.2. But um, Jones has also seen his usage in the passing game spike whenever Devontae Adams has been out. I think there have been seven games uh, when they've both been on the roster that Devontae Adams missed. And over those seven games, I think Jones averaged like seven targets a game. So um, the sort of usage you love to see. And I just think with with such a uh, depleted wide receiver core with Devontae Adams gone and really no no Mm -hmm. one proven brought in, um, you know, their earliest. They drafted Christian Watson in the second round, but he's a very raw prospect. I think the result of this is going to be that the Packers are simply going to run more. At run at a higher rate than they did last year and and their defense is looking really good so they might be able to do it as far as like favorable game scripts and i think they're going to throw to their backs at a higher rate and both of those things i think it like i wouldn't be shocked at all if the packers led the nfl in total fantasy points this year right. so i think there's room for we can look at aaron jones and say yes he should be a second round pick and i think we can look at dylan and say yes he's he's worthy of going in the fifth or sixth round yeah, it's about who your quarterback trusts in some of these situations. And Aaron Jones has shown year after year that <clears throat> he is someone that Rodgers can trust. And he's one of the few remaining guys there that, that is, fills that bracket now. So yeah, I'm expecting a big workload from him. So we've kind of touched early, well, gone through first round, kind of early second. You obviously mentioned Javonta, you don't mind, and you're a JT man at the start. But is there any of them you're missing? We haven't touched on Joe Mixon or DeAndre Swift that sort of fit in that bracket. Yeah, I mean, I think um, both Mixon and Swift are guys I'm pretty comfortable with right around their ADP, which is, I think, um, you know, very end of the first round, very early second round. Um, Quality workload for Mixon as far as, you know, enough usage in the passing game and, you know, plenty of touches. Like, I don't think his usage is really going to change as long as he's healthy. And Swift is just so special in the passing game. And, um, you know, also... There could be a lot more targets in Detroit now to take those, a lot more weapons to take those targets away with Sharp coming in and Hawkinson hopefully back fit and healthy again and uh, Jameson Williams is certainly in the back half of the year. He just right. some kind of work from him. So there's a lot more to share around, I guess. And he's not just a little scat back. They've used him at the goal yeah. line too. And he's the Lions quietly have one of the better offensive lines in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm... I'm very enthusiastic about Swift. Good. Something that hopefully build. Just below there, just before we get into like who you find value there, it's, it's two guys that were going off the board sort of two and three behind McCaffrey not that long ago in Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. Dropping away. Still, the expectations of them and the hope, I guess, that one day they'll be who we hope they would be is still there. But both, I think, people are <clears throat> getting a little disappointed by being disappointed. And I think it's maybe that we haven't seen either guy look himself for two full seasons, really mm-hmm. not since uh, 2019. And it seems as if, at least in the drafts I've been in lately, there is more optimism for Barkley. He showed up at OTAs looking like a, a Greek god, a Marvel superhero. Yeah, uh, he's, he's talking very excitedly about his usage in Brian Dable's new offense and how he's... 
uh, lining up all over the place, and it's it's promising more usage in the passing game. So I can kind of, even though I, I have not been able to get on board with uh, Barkley as a, a early second-round pick, which is where I've seen him going lately, um, I can at least buy the narrative that he's going to, Saquon is going to be Saquon again. Okay. Um, you know, even though even though the injuries have kind of been piling up and you wonder yeah. if he still has that special athleticism. Zeke, I'm definitely fading. Okay. I think they're going to continue to give him the ball. I mean, he finished whatever was running back six last year, but it was also kind of a, a survivor bias thing where he just played every game, even though he was dealing with injuries to his credit. Well, that's what he gives you. Right. He is. I mean, he has <laughs> been he has been durable, but I think we have yeah. seen some of the, the punishment add up and we've seen that efficiency uh, really wane of late. So I I just don't know if you're getting the same back and now he's kind of in the squarely in the part of the uh, he's past the AJ packs, let's say. Okay. And I, I feel like Betting on a bounce back is a really risky bet. I feel like, even though even though his ADP is as reasonable as it's ever been, um, I just don't know if that's coming back at all. And I I just we've seen Tony Pollard look better for two straight years. Granted, it's it's different usage, and um, you know Pollard is able to come in on a more limited basis, and maybe he doesn't have to sort of manage his uh, efforts as much as, as Zeke, the guy who's in on the yeah. greater majority of snaps and, and taking the bigger workload. He's, he's getting a bigger pay packet. Yeah, exactly. Right. They need to keep busy. Yeah. I, and no doubt they will as long yeah. as uh, Jerry Jones is there. Like Zeke is going to be the guy. But I'm, I'm just a little worried we're not going to see the old Zeke come back. Okay. But if you're in a draft and you've missed some of them earlier, guys, and you've took your draft a different way in the first, would you be okay with a Barkley Zeke type character in the second or are you looking somewhere else? I'm looking somewhere else. And where are you looking looking at? Uh, So some of of those other guys we talked about, like I'd... I'd, Leonard and Aaron Jones. Yeah, Aaron Jones, even Javante for sure. And I mean, there's some guys that I think you can routinely get in the fourth who I actually like more than Zeke. Okay. I'm going to chuck James Conner at you in the second. How does that sit with you? Another guy who's dealt with some injury. Like, I know we saw him absolutely smash last year. Well, early on, he was basically just getting lucky because he was getting all these touchdowns and sharing the work with Chase Edmonds, and it was kind Mm -hmm. of a fluky path to fantasy value. But then Edmonds got hurt, and all of a sudden Chase was, or uh, Connor was being used as an every-down back, and he was catching passes, and he was being really efficient and scoring touchdowns, and he was just looking fantastic. I think the assumption is that with Edmonds gone, maybe he might taste a little bit of that same value this year. I don't think that'll be the case. They brought in Daryl Williams. I think they still like Eno Benjamin, even though he's been around for a few years Mm -hmm. and hasn't done anything. So I think they have enough other options to sort of spell Connor and you know, not give him the full usage we saw when he was just freakishly valuable for a, a stretch of a month or more last year. See, I'm quite high on Connor. I see that a lot of what the Cardinals done was, you called it, I guess, a bit of luck at the time, and it probably was the fact that he was in the snaps and the plays were called, but they were designed plays to him, for him. His situation hasn't changed a lot. You'd expect them, quarterbacks the same. The receivers, other than, I guess, Hopkins being out and Brown coming in, haven't changed greatly. And I'd expect that the coaching staff hasn't changed. So I'd expect 
Connor to to have a very similar outcome. Yeah, I mean, I just it's one of the like I, risky plays. I feel at that spot. I understand, and I like it. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he got eight to ten touchdowns. But I, I don't think he's going to get. How many did he have last year? I'm not. I don't have the numbers in I front of me. But it hand, was no. it was close to fifteen. I want to say, and uh, I I don't know if we're going to see that again. So uh, we but, need to draft together because we could both have whoever we want because we're not taking either of each other's people. <laughs> Just build a roster we like. We're done with it. Um, so what I wanted to talk to you about is who are you looking at? We've got the ADPs here. Who do you like at the value? We've run through the sort of first couple of round guys here. Um, who do you think is value at their spot? Even whether it be in the first two, whether it be a little bit later on, you said there's a couple of fourth round guys you like. Who, who do you think on... ADP at the minute is offering value for you if you're going into a redraft now. Yeah, so there are a couple of guys who kind of suit, these guys also happen to suit the, the builds I like. I tend to go very uh, robust wide receiver in the early rounds, okay. especially if you're playing in a format where you have to start three wide receivers. Yeah. Because then if you look at it, if, if you're not counting kickers or defenses and you're just looking at you know one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, mm-hmm. a tight end, and a flex – Wide receivers are going to be either 37.5% of your starting lineup, non-kicker, non-defense, or 50% if you flex a fourth wideout. So I I don't want to get caught short at that position. And, you know, sometimes I'll pay down a little bit for running back. And if I start with, you know, two or three three receivers in the first four rounds, and I'm looking, you know, maybe now I'm looking for a second running back, I mean, I think Brees Hall and Cam Akers are fantastic values where they are. Okay. And Cam Akers, so I know a lot of people are going to be down on him because he did not do very much in the playoffs last year. He Coming back from, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was tough. Well, for one thing, I mean, they were playing some of the better run defenses in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Aside from that very first game against the Cardinals, who we actually did look pretty good against in, in that playoff game. And, um, you know, he only got like a one-game tune-up, a little bit of a workload in Week 17. And then the Rams just completely turned their backfield over to him, handed him the car keys, uh, it's yours. And I, I think that bodes pretty well for his usage this year. I mean, they had Sony Michelle completely healthy, and Michelle had filled in, done a really admirable job when yeah. both Akers and Henderson were hurt. Um We've never seen, I don't think, in uh, Sean McVay's, what, five years with the Rams, I don't think they've ever finished lower than 11th in total yards. Uh, Back when Todd Gurley was still at the height of his powers, Gurley typically did not come off the field on third downs. So, um, like, I'm excited about the prospect of of heavy usage for Akers. And, uh, you know, I know for some people the Achilles injury is concerning. I mean, I... The fact that he came back like six months after tearing his no, Achilles, yeah. he's like Superman. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm just I'm enthusiastic about him, and I, like the price yeah. is very reasonable, just because of the Achilles and because of the uh, lackluster playoff showing. Hmm. And then Brees Hall is almost on the level of uh, running back prospect as Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. I mean, I really? think he's a he comes in as a better, as far as just college production yeah. um, and speed and testing numbers. Like, I think he's a better running back prospect than Najee Harris was. Mm-hmm. And Hall's going to be running behind a better offensive line than Harris is this year. The only difference is, of course, I mean, if you were setting a, a you know, 
line betting on who was going to have more carries, you would probably, uh, you know, make Harris the favorite by 60 some carries. Um, but we don't know. We don't really know how much Michael Carter is going to be used. We do know that. Because he looked reasonable last year, Michael Carter. He did. He did. He looked, he looked a decent prospect. He did. And he, he catches passes. So it's very possible Brees yeah. Hall is limited to early down work. But we do know they did invest a lot of draft capital in him. And I think the Jets' offensive line, like the Lions, is like quietly pretty good. The interior three is is excellent. They brought in Lake and Tomlinson, who's a really yeah. good guard. If they can get good health out of Mackay Becton, who's just an earth mover at almost 400 pounds, um, this could be one of the better run-blocking lines in the league. And I'm kind of excited about the trajectory of that offense if Zach Wilson takes steps forward. The problem with both the Lions and the Jets, maybe for this year, I guess, is going to be game script in terms of running the ball often. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. At least they play in a division that does not look overwhelmingly tough. Yes, the Bills are there. The Patriots uh, kind of maybe on the way down. Um, Who knows with the Dolphins? They might be up on the way up. Maybe not. Um, But, yeah, there there might be some games where game script gets away from the running backs in New York a little bit, but at least Hall catches passes, so he has an out there. As you say, I've avoided the unknownness of it. Uh, I don't doubt Brees Hall and his talent and proposition. It's just the unknown of who's going to lead that charge and what the usage will look like is something for this year. I'm just tiptoeing around a little bit. And I guess that's why his ADP is where it is down at, what, 22? Yes. yes. If he went into Pittsburgh in last year's draft instead of Harris, we saw Harris going off the board, what, mid to late first rounds? Yes. Brees Hall would be in that mix, easy. Right. And that's it. We see discounts on rookie running backs every year. And in mm. hindsight, we're able to identify them as discounts. Jonathan Taylor went too late his rookie year. Najee went a little too late last year. Um, it, it's routine for these guys to, to be discounted much more than they are and like, Ken Walker is another one who I think, yeah. I mean, going around running back 30 or wherever it is right now, who might be a sneaky value. Ken Walker was a guy I love. I just think opportunity in Seattle was just landed to him perfectly. I personally don't see Carson taking a field this year. I don't know how he comes back and, and how that's even manageable. And if he does, good luck to him. But um, I don't see how that can work. And Rashad Penny has proven year on year that he can't stay healthy. So I actually see Walker being given a lot of trust early if he can perform in training camp and deliver the job that they want him to do. I think the opportunities are there for, for Walker to be a pure-based runner up in Seattle. Um, and the value is a guy I'm incredibly high on this year. I think he has the... Him over Hall, for instance. <clears throat> Hall was the better back. Hall, I think, is in a lot worse situation than where Kenneth Walker's found himself. Yeah, I mean, that's my view of it too, Dan. And I, I think Walker's not that far behind Hall as far as mm. the sort of prospect he was, both with college production, although it was just sort of one year of college production. But part of that was that he transferred out of a very strange college offense at Wake Forest to a more conventional running back friendly offense at Michigan State. Excelled in his one season at Michigan State, went pro, tested great. And now, um, you know, I think people are knocking him a little bit because of the quarterback situation and just the general decay of the offense in Seattle. But this is a terrific prospect who can be had really late. And if the running back position starts to get away from you, like that's a chance to play catch up in a hurry uh, Hmm. by taking a guy with the sort of upside that he has. Sure does. So you mentioned a few guys early on that you're not drafting at all. You've got into sort of those 
early mid rounds and the guys you're looking for? Is there anyone in that bracket that you're you're avoiding? Uh a lot of seem to be avoiding David Montgomery, Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs is a long way down this ladder. So Montgomery, I'm sort of avoiding. I think he's a little too expensive right now, considering that the, the Bears offense is really bad. It's probably going to be the worst offensive line in the league. Um, and, and we don't know how this new regime feels about David Montgomery. The old mm-hmm. coaching staff um, wanted to use him as a workhorse. Khalil Herbert was actually pretty good last year yeah. when, when Montgomery was hurt. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there are some other guys behind them who might we might see it be more of a committee. And then if you're looking at, at Montgomery as maybe the head of a committee in a bad offense, um, we'll be kind of questioning where he was going in drafts. Um, Gibson, I'm actually surprisingly bullish on because I think the price has gotten cheap enough that I'm ready to buy. And yeah. if you look at his size and speed, he's a carbon copy of Jonathan Taylor. Right. And he's been a successful touchdown scorer. And he's uh, broken, he's got like a a high percentage of breakaway runs. And he's shown a willingness to play through injury, uh, like had a cracked shin bone last year that he was actually playing with. And the only reason we don't like him is because they have forced, Washington has decided that they want to use uh, McKissick in that third down back role. And now they also brought in a pretty good prospect in Brian Robinson, but I do think teams are increasingly realizing they, they need three running backs to guard against injury and, and be prepared at the position. But I guess the overall point with Gibson, Dan, is that if someone had these kinds of measurables and a background as a pass catcher, a converted college wide receiver, and hadn't gotten his chance yet, fantasy Twitter would love this guy. He was be CMC predict- 2.0 coming out of the draft, right? Exactly, yes. People would be pre- projecting a breakout for sure. Mm-hmm. We've already seen him play and be successful, and he just turned 24, and yet people are ready to, to walk away from him. So it, I think the value is pretty good on him this year. It just doesn't feel sexy drafting Antonio Gibson. Right, right which is which is funny. Because, which is the perfect I mean, time to draft him. Exactly. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, if, if you don't like big, fast running backs who can catch passes, uh, that's fine. Leave them to me, and I'll happily take Antonio <laughs> Gibson in the fifth. <laughs> All I've actually done today, if you haven't noticed, I've, I've got Montgomery in the Scott Fishbowl. I've got Antonio Gibson in the Fishbowl. So this has been a great little review of my roster. So thanks for this, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sorry for the you know, lack of enthusiasm about Montgomery, Dan. But, uh, you know, hopefully I made up with it. Uh, Michael Carr. Yeah, <laughs> Good. Um, so later on, then, the, the new... I don't know, we say it's not sexy to draft Antonio Gibson, but it is sexy now to go a zero running back in these drafts. Do something different. Hero running back. Pick one of these early guys and then forget it forever. You've done that in a draft. A lot of the stuff's gone. Who are your late round guys here that you're looking to that you can not flex? These guys you can plug into your running back slots. So, um, I mean, we've talked about like Melvin Gordon is one. Because I like you, I do yeah. think it's probably going to be, uh, <clears throat> if not a carbon copy of, of last year's arrangement. I mean, I do think it's going to be Gordon still having a significant uh, role in the offense. A big one is Ramondre Stevenson for me. And uh, he had a really interesting rookie year, lost a fumble in his very first game and, and was promptly uh, made a healthy scratch for the next three, which is yeah. a, a typical Bill Belichick thing. He, he 
typically is not that generous to rookie running backs as far as playing time. But then he got his made his way back into Belichick's good graces, and I think he averaged yeah. 12 carries a game over his last 11 games. Once he once he was no longer a healthy scratch, I mean he he's built like a bowling ball. I mean he's a big dude. He's like 230, has really yes. nimble feet, and can catch passes. Like even though we didn't see him catch a lot of passes last year, like that is a skill in his toolkit. Um, mm-hmm. So. Like, I don't know about Damian Harris. If, if I know that, uh, you know, my friend Joe Dolan here from, from Fantasy Points has been doing yeah. a beat writer series. And he, the Boston Herald beat writer for the Patriots on, predict that Stevenson will overtake Damian Harris at some point. And James White apparently is not, uh, you know, was you seen see like still hobbling around a little bit after his hip procedure last year. So if he's not able to be that satellite back for them, maybe Ramondre is kind of a satellite satellite back plus who plays third downs and also plays on some early downs, which would really enhance his value. James White's a, what, a 30-year-old back in a shared backfield off of hip surgery, and we're still talking about drafting him. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not. I I can't say... We went to the same university, Dan, uh, nice. James White and I, so I can't say too many bad things about him. Uh, nice. You know, University of Wisconsin. So, um, but yeah, I'm not drafting him this year. Sorry, James. Fair. I'm sure you won't take it personally. Don't worry. Um, someone I'm still picking up late in these rounds is Cordell Patterson. Uh, and then I think if you've done that way or you're looking for a, even a flex spot guy that, can give you upside or bye week cover type guy. Uh, I think Patterson still offers that upside at his current ADP, which is where is it? Let's have a look. Sat at twenty eight seven at the minute. Yeah, um, I guess the cons there are that he's already on the wrong side of thirty. Yep. That the the Falcons seem concerned about it, uh, concerned enough about the workload he had last year that they basically exempted him from off season workouts and OTAs. Just said, yep. heal up, buddy. Um, and maybe the fact that this is going to be a really bad offense. Um, but on the pro side for Cordero Patterson, they really haven't added much at running back. I mean, Damian Williams, who's also old. Uh, Tyler Algier, who was a, a day three rookie pick. And, you know, perhaps we shouldn't be scared of a day three rookie pick, you know, usurping Cordero's workload. He catches passes. I mean, his, his efficiency in the running game kind of dropped a little last year. It did. Um, they switched, didn't they? About five, six games out. Yeah, like with four games. I think his last four, he averaged like right. 2.4 a carry. But then again, yeah. you know, I, I was touting Cam Akers, and 2.4 is about what he averaged in four playoff games. So uh, I don't want to be a you hypocrite You can make the numbers here. say whatever you want to say. Yeah, exactly, Dan. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. the the fact that Cordero has stayed relatively cheap and you can still yeah. get him around, what, the 10th round. He offers um, the upside there, I think. Yeah, I don't really, like... I don't think he's going to have as good a season as he had last year, but I think he could still be a potential, a potentially useful roster piece. Cool. One of the last things I want to touch upon is some of these later round backs. You touched on Tyler Algier there being a third day back and how much they're going to use him. James Cook went into Buffalo. You've got uh, Damian Pierce went into the Texans. Can you see any of these guys becoming fantasy relevant or becoming a lead on their rosters? Yeah. Um, I worry a little bit about the, the Texans situation. I just don't know if there's enough to 
even if we see Damian Pierce um, break out of what, whatever committee they might use, I mean, as of now, I would probably bet that it's a some sort of three-way timeshare with Pierce and Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack. Yeah. Um, like, even if we were to see Pierce get a clear majority of the workload there, are there enough touchdowns uh, to go around with the Texans? Is there enough? Would you feel confident, even if he was like the identified as the guy to have in that backfield, would that still be a player you would want to start in fantasy every week and feel comfortable with it? I'm not sure what the answer is there. So that's no. that's my hesitation on him. But again, he's going at like running back, what, 44 or something like that. So I think yeah. the the risk is minimal. I'm, I'm not opposed to taking a shot at him late. Um, and like deep leagues, the, these guys probably aren't going to be drafted in a typical 12 team league with like a 16 round draft but like all the rookies even though I touted Antonio Gibson I'm kind of intrigued by Brian Robinson in Washington if he does get okay. some sort of role um, I'm kind of intrigued by Zamir White in yeah. uh, Las Vegas even though um, you know Josh Jacobs is in the, the last year of his contract and maybe there's no incentive not to just run Josh Jacobs into the ground but there's also yeah, there's also, I mean, if they like Zamir White better, there's also no incentive not to move on. Um, and then they another compete, guy... They wouldn't have Adams, so they'll use a better player. Yeah. And then, like, one guy I like is sort of my um, my all-purpose utility knife uh, back, Dan, yeah. is Naheem Hines this year. Yeah. Like, I like yeah. him as potential... Just a guy you can feel fairly safe if you have injury yeah. problems or bye week problems that you can put into a flex spot or your second or third running back spot, whatever, and feel pretty good with him. I generally don't like drafting guys who, if the starter got hurt, would probably not have a chance to be the, the main back. And I don't think Hines would be. I think he'd still sort of keep his um, role where he's a passing down back plus mm -hmm. occasional early down usage. But I just think we're going to see a lot more passes to the backs in Indianapolis with your Carson Wentz just didn't really throw to his backs that much. Uh, Matt Ryan is going to dump off to his backs quite a lot yeah. this year. And, um, you know, it should be a pretty good offense. So I think Hines is going to get like a, a safe. He's going to be very safe, I think. Um, put up decent numbers. And if you need to squeeze out like 10 PPR points from someone in a pinch, I think he's your guy. So. The other person I've got in that kind of bracket for me, and it does depend on how he comes back from injury, is Gus Edwards. I feel he's a guy that will do a job if you desperately need him, if you fix him up late. Better in standard and half-point PPR than full-point PPR because we know he isn't going to catch any passes. The yeah. only – like, I'm – I don't know what to do with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards right now because, like – there have not been many definitive reports on their recoveries and how no. they're coming along. Like, well, we didn't even see Edwards, did we, at OTAs or anything? So Yeah, so this next month is going to be pretty important as to whether those two are, are draftable at cost. And you Mike know, Davis I, could be relevant again. Right, right. Which and, is uh, Yeah, so I, I do kind of like the rookie. They He was another day three guy, and it's hard to over-project them. I do like this guy they got from Missouri, Tyler Beatty. Um, yeah. Very small, but handled a very big load for Missouri in the toughest okay. college football conference in, in the U.S. So um, we'll see. But, I mean, like if, if we get a clean bill of health Baby for Edwards, <laughs> then I like that call, though. Awesome. Um, just quickly, last couple of – there's a couple of backfields that 
I mean, we touched on New England, our minefields as to who is going to be what. Uh, the other two I'd throw in that is probably the Niners and Miami. There's yes. a lot of ambiguity there. Can anybody sort of excel and become really relevant on a fantasy roster? Yeah, it's funny to see uh, Elijah Mitchell have the same sort of have the sort of season he had last year and still mm-hmm. only be regarded as a low end running back two in drafts. I think his ADP is around what running back 24, 25. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is I'm sure at the bottom of the list. Bear with us. I'll scroll all the way back to the top. Yeah, 24, 24, 23, depending on what website you use. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um... I mean, a, a couple of issues with him. One is that he didn't catch many passes, and I think Trey Lance is probably going to dump off even less than Jimmy G did last year. Yeah. Um, number two, the Shanahan's uh, Kyle and his father Mike have this history of uh, you know changing running backs the way they change their socks, and more, um, more you know we've. Yeah. Some of your older listeners might remember one-year wonders for for Mike Shanahan, like Tatum Bell and Mike Anderson and Ruben Drones and guys who kind of came out of nowhere to have these. Like, is is Elijah Mitchell going to prove to be a one-year wonder? Like, could it, Tyrion Davis Price was not regarded as like a, a great running back prospect, but they drafted him fairly early. Then again, we also said the same thing about Trey Sermon last year and made the mistake of taking him just because they drafted him early. So that is really a hard, I mean, there's no more, uh, there's no backfield we should be paying closer attention to in August than the 49ers. Trey and, Sermon is still somebody in that last round I'm picking up. Surely mm-hmm. because of the way they, Trey Sermon, surely because of the way the Niners do use their backfield, he only needs half a game to get hot and look decent, and he'll have the jersey again the following week. And if it's a last week dark throw, they roll the hot hand and they roll with whoever's playing and they'll rotate and rotate. And if you look half a decent prospect that week, you'll get work. And I can't rely on it week in, week in. I'd never put him into my starting lineup with any real confidence unless he's had two good weeks previously. But right now, late round dark throws, sitting on your bench before waivers open, I'm going to see what's going to happen in preseason in San Francisco. Trey Sermon, I mean, I play in a couple of leagues that are like 14, 14 team and 16 teams, and they mm-hmm. go like 24 rounds each. Trey Sermon absolutely interests me in a draft like that. Like, yeah. I, he was a college star over here. He was just fabulous in college. I mean, he, I, I mentioned having gone to the University of Wisconsin, he absolutely tore my Wisconsin Badgers apart <laughs> uh, when he was playing for Ohio State. So um, it would not surprise me if he resurfaced. And then you asked about Miami, Dan. Um, yeah, I guess I'm a little less interested in investing here. Um, you know, I was just on a podcast this morning with uh, my friend Matt Kelly, who is into Chase Edmonds. I do think Chase Edmonds is the favorite to get, um, I would say, a plurality of the work. Okay. I don't think it's going to be 50% of the touches. I think it's going to be some sort of committee. I think he's probably going to lead the committee, but a plurality in this offense which is probably going to be a majority passing offense. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that if if that's going to be the case. But, um, yeah, I'm just – like, I don't know if Edmonds is going to get enough touches consistently to be someone you're excited about putting in your lineup every week. I mean, his ADP, I want to say, is around running back 30, and I guess that's roughly fair to me. Okay. I'm – 
Yeah, I, like he's not a guy I'm I'm avoiding. I've taken him in a few best balls. Uh, yep. Not a guy I'm targeting. Not a guy I'm avoiding. I think his price is fair. He's someone that feels like he can have a big week and then not be seen for two. Yes. It's not very conducive to fantasy rosters. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so we've mentioned quite a lot of people. Is there anyone else's name you want to touch upon with their regards, their situation, or something you've got an eye on, or? Yeah, I'm trying to think of any. I mean, we uh, like I'm. I'm... Can I chuck one at you? Sure. Get your thoughts. Dionis Johnson at the Browns. I would love to see him traded, and I think I've just got Kareem Hunt being cut or traded with the money they owe him. Could happen. Johnson had a decent production when the two of them went down last year, and I think he will have a role this year in in Cleveland. And they draft. If they lose Watson, what is the point in paying Hunt? Right, and they drafted an interesting running back prospect in Jerome Ford. So it wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all if they got rid of either Hunt or uh, Dearness. So and like Dearness moves up to number two, or Dearness goes elsewhere to a team that needs running back help. So yes, mm-hmm. like he interests me because whenever he's gotten the opportunity, he's produced. So um, I like him as a, a very deep sleeper. Um, I guess we haven't talked well, he's about running back seventy-seven. That's that's just crazy. And I I guess the one injured every week. (laughs) Let's cover two quick two quick places that we haven't touched on. Chiefs and Bills, since they, you know, only produce the most uh, exciting game we've seen in I don't know, since yeah, at least at least since that Chiefs Rams regular season game of a a few years ago. Um I don't trust Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh like I, I the the re signing of Jarek McKinnon concerns me and like I wouldn't even be surprised if uh, Isaiah Pacheco who was like a seventh round pick and Jerry and Ely who went undrafted wound mm-hmm. up factoring into that uh, we know Ronald Jones is kind of a disaster in the passing game we talked about that but yeah. like if we don't know with just CEH and Ronald Jones we figured that CEH was going to play on passing downs now that McKinnon is back now that they've drafted a couple other guys with pass catching skills like I don't know if I want any part of CEH. I just, like, I don't know if he's any good. And so I'm I actually I'm not... feel it was a pure runner. Jones may even be better than CEH anyway as a runner. He just doesn't yeah. give you the other parts of the game. If Jones could learn to catch a ball and pass block, he's a decent back. Yes. Yeah, as a pure runner. Two of the three jobs he's got to do. So. Right. And as a, a pure runner, maybe he can work make that work for fantasy value in Kansas City. Um, I just feel like there's always someone in a draft room who likes Ronald Jones more actually. than I do. And uh, the other one, like I noticed. It's not me, having been a box fan. <laughs> um, like a lot of people seem pretty excited about uh, James Cook, the, the rookie for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I maybe a little less enthusiastic for Devin Singletary as a result. And we know that. Last year, I mean, they, they sort of leaned on Singletary heavily down the stretch because they just seemed to lose all faith in, in Zach Moss yeah. and didn't really have any interest in playing Matt Burita, understandably. So Harris was immensely valuable down the stretch. I mean, now he looks to be less so and back into sort of a, a platoon role with James Cook. But I just I, I think people are excited mm-hmm. because James Cook landed in this prolific offense. The same as CEH the year prior. Yeah, but the the thing is, I don't think I don't think Josh Allen has really enhanced the value of his running backs and if anything, he's maybe diminished from it. Like mm-hmm. another case where he likes to run 
You know, yeah. the mobile quarterbacks <laughs> tend not to dump off that much because it's just easier for them to run when they're in trouble. That's risk, yeah. Uh, in the, the years he has been in Buffalo, Josh Allen has run for 31 touchdowns, and all Buffalo running backs combined have run for 28, three less than wow. Josh Allen. Wow. And I think the the percentage of uh, targets to running backs for Buffalo has ranked like over the last four years, it's been like 24th, 29th, 29th, and 27th or something like that. Like it's mm. it's never been in the top half and never close to the top half. So there's so not just, enough there to sustain two of them, you feel? Yeah, and I, I just like I know James Cook is fast and has pass catching skills. I just don't know if like he's in the, uh, an offense where like he's going to be able to leverage what he brings to the table fully. Like I, I almost think it was a bad landing spot for him. I'm still okay with Singletary this year and redraft. I think he, he was the second guy behind Moss coming into last year. Moss didn't deliver. Singletary did. He did the job they asked of him throughout the season. I don't see why they don't roll with that again. I, I think James will get his work. But Singletary, I think, will lead that backfield. Uh, can't see James Cook taking that role off him. They, they're competing this year. They need to win this year. They'll go with the guy they trust. And that hasn't let them down as of yet. Agree. I mean, I think he's going to be the primary early down back, and it's possible Singletary is being undervalued right now. Hmm. Yeah. It, there's not many lead backs going, what, sixth, seventh, eighth round that you'll probably find him. Exactly. Awesome. Pat, thank you for your time. Before we're done, tell everyone again where they can find you, where they can find the work, how to catch up with you. Dan, thanks for having me. This has been fun. Great conversation. Yeah. And uh, yeah, people can find my work at Fantasy Pros and, and hopefully everything they need to get ready for their drafts. Uh, you know, I think we've, we've got a, a load of stuff for you to read and study and some great tools. And there you is. can mock draft with us. I, I, we have the best mock draft tool in the business, bar none. So uh, people can find me there. They can hear me on the Fits on Fantasy podcast. They can find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Super. Um, thank you again for joining us, guys. Just a reminder for me, Murph's book is in that corner above Pat's head there. Uh, the Five Yard Rush Fantasy Playbook is out. It's on Amazon. Um, it's a fantastic read. If you haven't got one, go and get one. Uh, he's put a lot of time effort and it is, it is a very good book. It's worth reading. Murph obviously writes for Fantasy Pros, so go and check out his content there. Um, and that, for me, is, is a wrap, Pat, if you're happy. I'm pleased. Thank Super. you, Dan. Good. Thank you for your time, sir. And as Murph would always say to everyone here, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.